Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Fast Talk, Street Talk, Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk, Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to Class War. No, no, just kidding. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on day two of Class War. Uh, you can tell that Class War is definitely the theme because here it is, front page of the sun, Class War. I told you yesterday it was Class War um, and now they've caught up. Look at me. I'm telling you the truth here because this is the only place you find it. Uh, you may look elsewhere. You may try and uh, try other networks. You may try other outlets, but you will never get the home of common sense anywhere else but here. Mick Lynch is still doing the rounds. Uh, They're not supposed to be on strike today, but of course, if you've been trying to go anywhere, you'll find that the trains aren't running very well, are they? No. Uh, There are still people queuing up uh, to get on buses in London. There are still people uh, finding that tube trains are not running very well. Cancellations all over the place because the class war goes on. Uh, We've had a very interesting 24-hour period where lots of people have basically said that here we are uh, being held to ransom by a bunch of Marxists who would like to see the destruction of the government and indeed the destruction of capitalism, all in the name of getting a few extra quid and making sure uh, that they still walk up and down the railway tracks like some people out of the 1950s. We'll be taking your calls on all of that, of course, this morning. We'll be talking about Gary Lineker and how ludicrous it is that he's now claiming uh, that he suffered from racism as a child because he had skin that was a bit darker than everybody else. I mean, for heaven's sake, Gaza, enough already. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking to Isabel Oakeshott about what is going on uh, with Dominic Raab, because Dominic Raab, you would have heard on Breakfast with Julie Hartley Brewer, uh, is now going to be doing away with our connections to the European Court of Human Rights. The thing that people don't remember about the European Court of Human Rights when they tell us that it was all set up by Winston Churchill and it's there to stop fascism in Europe is that it was all doing very well, thank you very much indeed, until Tony Blair got his hands on it and decided to put it into British law that we would have to be subservient to the ECHR. So why can't we just undo what Tony Blair did? And at the end of the day, we'll be able to send the illegal migrants to Rwanda, we'll be able to stop the human trafficking, and we'll be able to actually carry out government policy. We'll see what Isabel makes of that. Plus inflationary pressures are still on us. We'll be talking about all of that. The price rises that are going on all around us. Everything is going up. Nothing is going down. When's it going to stop? 0344 499 1000. We've got Prime Minister's questions, of course, today as well. Keir Starmer will finally have to say something about the rail strikes. He claims he's going to discipline the people in his own party who have been standing on picket lines. How's that going, Sakir? 
Unbelievable. He's more likely to be on a picket fence than he is to be actually on a picket line, isn't he? 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's get it on. So much to talk about this morning. The paper's full uh, of pictures of deserted uh, train stations. We've got uh, the same picture on the front page of the Telegraph as on the front page of the Sun. Uh, we've got a different one from Paddington Station. Johnson ready for strike stalemates the last months, it says on the front page of the Times. And that is indeed uh, where I think we will start this morning with Isabel Oakshot, Talk TV's international editor. Isabel, very good morning to you. Good morning. Um, And yeah, I mean, look, I am one of those who one of the very many people who are super inconvenienced by all of this because I spent all my time traveling from A to B. I was in a station yesterday completely deserted. But I think a lot of people are prepared for this to go on for months if it breaks these unions in the way that stops this just going on for years. That's the problem. If the government gives an inch, These people just keep coming back for more and more and more. And talking to uh, cabinet ministers off the record a couple of days ago, there's a real determination uh, on the part of the government to uh, just to base this down, actually. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, because we've seen already the communication workers union sort of lining up behind them. We've been told teachers might be going out on strike. We might have doctors going out. Barristers are already going out. It's definitely sort of building up into a bit of a summer of discontent. And I think it's really, really important for Boris Johnson and the government to hold the line on it, as he said before. Because look at what happened at Rolls-Royce yesterday. Rolls-Royce offered all of their uh, employees 2,000 quid as a bonus, a one-off payment, and Unite the Union turned it down. I mean, this is just unbelievable. And I think a lot of people will be just astonished at the kind of bleating of the unions over so-called woes that the rest of us, anyone who works for the private sector, treat as a fact of life. Mm. I mean, they complain that, you know, the, the fear of redundancy hangs over them at all times, as it does for anyone who's self-employed or work in the private sector. People don't have guarantees jobs for life anymore. Well, what about the million or two people who didn't even get any support during the lockdown, uh, who were self-employed and who didn't qualify under any of the schemes and found themselves completely and utterly bereft and were actually living hand-to-mouth with help from loans from their friends? Absolutely. I I know some of these people. I mean, actually, a number of struggling journalists fell into that category, haven't say I'm not personally one of them, but it was pretty tough. I think another important point, which um, is probably quite hard to gauge, is that there are a lot of train staff um, who are off, who were off yesterday unwillingly. So I spoke to staff in uh, Oxford Parkway station where I travel through and they were so unhappy about not being able to work yesterday. I spoke to them um, before the strike mm. and they did not want to strike, but they said that the rail operator had made it basically impossible for those who wanted to continue to work to do so. The systems were not put in place. They would have to have driven miles in order to do a day's work. So the number of people that walked out is not actually necessarily directly correlated with the number of people that wanted to be on no. strike. And when you look at the picket lines, and a Mick Lynch, who's sort of almost like a parody figure, he's almost like a cartoon caricature of a union leader from the 1970s. They even wheeled out Arthur Scargill yesterday in Wakefield, you know, as if to make their point to say, you know, we didn't bring down Thatcher, but we will bring down Boris. It's pathetic. It seems to me that these are people who literally don't want to work. They just want to be on strike 
work permanently so that they can stand and sneer at the rich, as they call them, uh, of which, of course, Mick Lynch is one. The point about the picket lines, though, is that there's hardly anybody on them. They've got, like, you know, they were talking about how great success it was that the picket, all these people turned out on the picket lines, including some Labour MPs. Um, mm. But there's only a handful of them, and it looks pathetic. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned about the Labour MPs. I mean, the Labour Party's in a complete mess over this. I've listened to Labour front benches this morning claiming that they are on the side of the travelling public. <laughs> right. Well, you know, how about then being on the side of keeping the trains running because you can't be on the side of the travelling public and also stand on picket lines? Mm. What a complete absurdity. And, you know, is this in any way going to position Keir Starmer's party to win the next election? I don't think so. It might win a couple of votes amongst some die-hard rail unionists, but it's not going to appeal to the country at large. Well, I mean, Keir Starmer gets more and more embarrassing with every day that passes. I mean, I can't imagine what he's going to say at Prime Minister's questions today because he's already positioned himself so firmly on the fence on this that he can't presumably change his mind now. I think it's an absolute gift to Boris Johnson. You know, he's got, as we've discussed ad nauseum, plenty of local difficulties. But I think that the number 10 and the the cabinet as a whole is really up for this fight. And they will enjoy Labour squirming over this because the party is conflicted. The opposition is conflicted on this. The Labour MPs disagree over how to handle it. And it's just wonderful Um, for the Conservatives, because for once they can actually sit back and watch Labour dig themselves into Mm. bigger holes. But in terms of just the sort of overall feel of the nation, Isabel, do you think, as I do, that, you know, this might be a good thing, it might be a sort of cathartic moment for, for, for this country, because we have become this ridiculously kind of divided nation of people who wanted to remain in the European Union, who've never forgiven those who, who voted to take us out of it, including the general public, who want to be on the side of, you know, illegal migrants. They want to love the idea that the European Court of Human Rights can stop us from doing anything. They love the idea that these unions are going on strike because they hate Boris Johnson so much. I think this might sort of be like a clear out, uh, if you like. Um, I don't want to use too rude of, a, of an analogy, but, you know, just a kind of a general... Um, you know, spring clean, shall we say, of the nation's psyche. I wish that was the case. <laughs> I read, I don't feel nearly as optimistic, actually. And I, I just feel like Britain is broken. That's yeah. how it feels to me, you know, today and all days. You know, whether it's in the supermarket yesterday, I picked up a pat of butter. It was five pounds. Five pounds. Really? Literally. You know, it was one of those spreadable butter yeah, yeah. things. Not particularly fancy. But anyway, um, you know, everything feels broken. There's no trains. The petrol prices, every time you drive past, have gone up a bit more. It's just a complete mess. And I think you touch on something that is a really big and growing concern, which is this narrative that all these woes are somehow due to Brexit. Now, we Brexiteers should have seen this coming and we should have been better at heading it off at the pass. But you're hearing it everywhere now because it's so easy to project everything that's currently challenging and difficult onto that old saw. And there are an awful lot of people who are just itching to reopen the whole debate. And I think that's a a real worry. The government has now got to show what are the benefits of Brexit, because even those people that supported Brexit are 
I think some of them having a bit of a wobble at the moment. Yes, because again, the government isn't being very clever about the way it communicates. I mean, there is a sense that the the, 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 the cabinet meeting every morning when they have one is a kind of uh, emergency, you know, uh, every single time they meet. Because what's happening now? Oh, God, Christ, yeah. is that, you know, and it's like they're just sort of fighting fires all the time. And it, it appears that they don't really have much policy. I mean, to some extent, it was ever thus, you know, behind the scenes in government. It is constant mm. firefighting. But when you look back to, for example, the coalition years under David Cameron, yes, the, the 2010 to 2015, where you know, this remarkable situation of a right of centre party having to work with a left of centre party, kind of look back on that as a bit of a weird kind of dreamlike state where <laughs> things kind of worked. You know, yes, there was austerity and a certain people will never get over that but you know the country was ticking along quite nicely mm. and it was all quite amicable and ever since then it has been a just a just a endless turmoil and dramas yes. and this honestly feels a bit like the lowest step at this point yes I mean, it just is bizarre that there's so many kind of angry mobs. There's so many peak groups of people who are angry all the time about something, which on the face yeah. of it really isn't something that you should worry about. Well, I mean, then I really don't want to talk about this, and I'm sure you don't either, but the amount of hand-wringing over transgender issues. Oh, God. You know, I mean, and this is, a, this is a kind of thing when you say people are angry all the time. Yes, and they're angry over things that are really incredibly marginal, mm. except for a few people that are affected directly. Yeah. That's actually absolutely right. So there we are, Isabel. We're going to just take a little break. I want to talk a bit more in detail about the EHC, ECHR and what Dominic Raab's proposing and whether it will happen, because that's the other thing that this government needs more than anything else is a bit of a victory at something. Uh, this is Talk TV. Back after this. On DAB+, Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're talking to Isabel Oakshaw, uh, our international editor. Uh, and what better way to uh, to start this part of the show uh, with a conversation about Strasbourg? Because um, it looks as though what Dominic Raab is going to do with the Bill of Rights will actually work. Is there anything that could get in the way of it, Isabel? Oh, surely not. Nothing could possibly <laughs> get away in what the way of go this wrong? grand plan. Um I actually don't know, you know, in detail the answer to that question. What are the are the hurdles? I mean, um, I think that this being a bill will have its primary legislation, so it will have to go through both houses. And we all know that the House of Lords can be pretty tricksy. Um, it's not packed with people that want to do Boris Johnson's bidding, um, <laughs> no. and it's also packed with a lot of legal types um, who are probably lefty legal types. So I doubt this is going to be plain sailing. Um, I do think that voters overall back it. And and again, this is a, a kind of good fight for Boris Johnson and number 10 to have. And they've got something really specific to pin it on because, you know, actually the Tories have been banging on about a Bill of Rights for about as long as I can remember, right. about 15 years. And we all sort of zone out a bit when we hear it because it just sounds honestly really boring. Mm. Um, but when it's kind of given a, a sort of retail angle to it, I without this thing, we can't actually deliver on our Rwanda migrant policy. People can see um, exactly how the human rights laws work in practice to hamper this country from doing what it ought to be able to do, which is set its own laws about who comes in and who doesn't. Yes, which was a major 
sort of plank of the Brexit policy as well, taking control. I mean, it's been a mockery, hasn't it, when Boris Johnson's been standing up in Parliament talking about taking back control of the borders, when even as he was speaking, uh, another 300 people were arriving uh, on the shores of Pet Level in Sussex, you know. Complete and utter farce. So I hope that the government is able to push this through. But there's an awful lot of squealing already. I mean, we haven't seen the the detail of what's proposed. Um, but I received a long and heartrending email from Amnesty International this morning, trying to suggest that if this goes through, you know, you'd no longer have the rights to public inquiries, for example, a COVID inquiry, you'd no longer be able to challenge this or that. And it's all a giant conspiracy Mm. to make the government less accountable. On the contrary, it is actually an operation to remove unaccountable, anonymous figures sitting there in Brussels, from shaping our life here in the UK. Yes. And that's what 17.4 million people voted for. And and anonymous is the right word because the person who did rule that we could not uh, deport, I know it was only three, but it would have been a major sort of step in the right direction, um, migrants to Rwanda last week. Um, you know, we still don't know who that was. We still don't even know if the person was qualified. What we do know is that they almost certainly didn't read the legal papers and they didn't understand the judgments made by three separate levels of British courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. And this will also give the Supreme Court, which I was never really a fan of in the first place, the final say in matters of British law. Well, and um, who who can argue with that? Except, of course, plenty of people can and will. um, And they come up with all sorts of spurious reasons why we should all be terrified of this development. I think it's quite a test of the government. You know, we've come out of the pandemic now and it is time for... Uh, number 10 operation to kind of finish Brexit, as it were. And that means finishing, removing the impediments that actually enable us to turn this into an opportunity. Um, Because so far, all we're really hearing is a lot of grief about things being too difficult and the Northern Ireland Ireland Protocol and blah, blah, blah. These are big issues. The government has got to get them out of the way, resolve them, and then start showing people what is in it for them why why are we doing this what kind of country do we want to actually build now we're free of these fetters yes exactly right i mean even the guardian this morning hasn't been able to find anybody apart from amnesty international to have a go they say that they've got sources inside government uh, accusing the tory uh, party of fatally weakening human rights but they can't actually find somebody to name to quote to say anything about it so i mean even the left is sort of floundering around at the moment and it seems to me um that with charles and Camilla now out in Rwanda, um, you know, this appalling place and the appalling policy that he was describing a couple of weeks ago, uh, presumably is not going to come up Well, while um, he's there. It will, it will be interesting um, to see just what the hospitality is like for people in Rwanda, all descending for the Commonwealth Heads of Government event. It's quite a fandango over there. Um, And it seems that that country wasn't deemed to be too terribly despotic for our royal family to go there. And I'm sure they're going to have a lovely time basking in the sunshine and deciding some very important things. And actually, the future of the Commonwealth is, I think, extremely important now. Mm. Um, As uh, we're looking towards the transition, looking ahead towards a transition from Um, our Queen to Prince Charles and there are a number of Commonwealth members that are already kind of pulling away and wanting to cut their ties with the UK. 
Um, and at the same time, in a post-Brexit Britain, there are huge opportunities should we play our cards right with these uh, historic times. Mm. Oh, very much so. I mean, I think it's much more worthwhile as an economic block than it is uh, as a sort of yeah. you know cultural um, yeah. place where everybody loves yeah. the Queen and everybody you know. Yeah. I don't think I think that's less important as it, as we I go agree. forward, isn't it? Yeah. You know, let's make some money. You know, the economy badly yeah. needs well, we it. We kind of need it, don't we? <laughs> we really, we really butter. do. But also, can we give a nod to Tony Blair? Because all that Rob is really doing here is taking the ECHR back to where it was before Blair made it much more important. You know, it's all very well and nice to have this European Court of Human Rights where there is a place where people can go if they do feel terribly badly done by. But but if this works, we no longer have to do what they what they say. We can just take it into consideration. Yeah, and that makes that makes every sense. Your memory on this was actually better than mine, I have to say. <laughs> uh, my, I don't remember the whole Blair thing. Um, do you know what year that was in? I think it was 1998. But so I mean, I'm it's not my memory that's it. good. It's just that I've been reading up on it in the last few days because I'm going to thought... plead relative youth at that point. And Listen, I not... I'm sure that you can do that. You know, I'm much older I'm than I look. I'm not a political reporter, but I'm, I'm sure you're right. It fits with everything um you know that that they that their agenda was at the time mm. and look, the, the idea that when when the government achieves this if they achieve this which is still a big if that people are suddenly not going to have any rights at all is just absolutely absurd you know we don't rely on europe for our our own measures which are common you know based on common yeah. decency and also enshrined in our own law absolutely well the great thing about the tony blair government was they did loads of things that nobody really knew and so i'm not necessarily remembering that they did it then because they probably yeah. didn't tell anyone because i remember once right. interviewing yeah. alistair campbell uh, and blaming him for the uh, for the whole proroguing of Parliament nonsense with with Lady Hale and you know the, oh, yeah. the Supreme Court. Yeah. I said you set up all these you know things in when you were in yes. government, completely changing the administration of Britain, right? And unfortunately, um, and uh, you know now we are where we are. And he said, well, we wish we wish we'd done more. Was what he said. Oh God! I mean, well, just. Amy. Horrendous. Anyway, listen, great to talk to you, Isabel. Thank you very much indeed. Hope the inflation and also the travel problem doesn't uh, persist too much longer. But we are on day two of the class war. Don't forget, uh, there's plenty of reasons to talk to us today. So do get your calls in 0344 499 1000. There's more GPs threatening to leave the profession. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk a bit about Gary Lineker suffering from racism, even though he's a white man from Leicester bizarrely. Uh, and also, of course, uh, we will be going to PMQs at 12 o'clock. Dominic Raab as well. It's all happening. So much going on today. We will bring all of it to you as it happens. Please stay with uh, Talk TV. You will not miss a thing. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Lots more to be getting along with. This is Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, how about this from Angela? She says, I'm pretty scared at the thought of Dominic Raab and a rewrite of the Bill of Rights. I do not trust him or any of the others to do anything that will help and protect our human rights. I think your guest is wrong. Well, Angela, what I would say to you uh, is that would you rather put your trust in the European Convention of Human Rights, the European Court of Human Rights, where they find some bloke in a cleaning cupboard at 11 o'clock at night who's never seen anything to do with a legal case, who rules that it can't happen? Whatever it is, whatever it is that the government in Britain wants to do, they can't do it. I think that is a much worse place to be in. And that's why I would support this uh, move by Dominic Raab. I think a Bill of Rights in this country is long overdue. Uh, and I will welcome it uh, when it comes in. Uh, and those people who will tell you that you're going to lose all your human rights, don't listen to them. 
they know not what they say. Let's talk to Marco Longhi, MP, Conservative for Dudley North. Marco, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I mean, a brief one just on uh, Dominic Raab's Bill of Rights. Uh, we, we'll, we'll hear the detail of it, but surely it's right that we take a step back and we walk away from what Tony Blair kind of locked us into back in 1998. And we can still Tony have... Blair. Yes, yeah, Tony I'm, Blair, I'm... Robin Kirk, uh, yeah. and someone for you to look into, Mike, a lady called Barbara Roche. Oh, yeah. She was absolutely determined to weave... Uh, that whole agenda of uh, immigration mm. into every aspect of our daily lives, which is why it's so complicated and it's taken so long for us to unpick this mm. the correct way. We still haven't got it quite right because we can see how the ECHR can influence us and we need to get Brexit finally sorted. Yes. Uh, in order, you know, it was the, that was the whole point, wasn't it? Taking back control of our borders and mm. our laws for a third party country or entity to still be able to influence in this way means that we have not quite got Brexit over the line the way we should have done. Yes. And I think it's important as well for the Tory party to explain to people just how complicated it is to unpick some of this stuff because, you know, Blair and his henchmen knew what they were doing. You know, they were making it really difficult for it to be unpicked so that when they knew eventually somebody would try, there'd be all sorts of trap doors that people are falling down. You know, I think um, either they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, let's not forget that uh, Blair was married to someone who was steeped in the legal profession in exactly this sort of uh, speciality. And um, what they have done is made sure that uh, if anybody did try to unpick it, they would have to look at virtually every aspect of our daily lives almost, mm. because uh, everything is governed by the law. And we have to have due regard to making sure that we comply with it, whatever we do. Mm. So that is why it's so complicated. And it is a very difficult explanation to deliver to people out there, having had to deal with two years of COVID and therefore delayed the whole process that much more as well. But we are getting there. I'm very confident Mm. that we are getting there now. This is literally the last obstacle to overcome. And, I'm, and I know that Dominic Raab will do a good job of sorting that yes. out. Yes. And are you confident as well that the House of Lords won't be too much of an impediment? And also, uh, there won't be any Tory MPs on the back benches kind of getting a bit lily-livered about human rights in the final analysis? We've seen that play out already in the Nationalities and Borders Bill. Now, the Nationalities and Borders Act. Uh, we were elected to deliver on this particular mandate. Boris, the PM knows that and this is what we shall do yes good let's talk a bit about our good friends at the rmt uh holding the country to ransom uh calling for class war up and down the country i don't think it went as well for them yesterday as they would have liked even though they're claiming uh, that it was a great victory uh absolutely mike um and uh, i think that kiyostama today needs to answer some questions himself because he had instructed his front bench and all of his mps not to join the picket lines Mm. 16 of them did, including three of his front bench. And time after time in the chamber, during questions, not a single Labour MP condemned the strikes. They are actually quietly in cahoots with their own paymasters who paid them something like £250,000 during the last few years. So how can they go against them? They have got a clear conflict of interest there. 
They are not on the side of the working people of this country. It is extraordinary, isn't it, that we have this kind of dinosaur-like behaviour from public sector unions because they've already killed off the private sector businesses that they used to be union representing uh, uh, in terms of like the print unions have killed off the, the, the printing presses that they used to work on. We've had the uh, the car manufacturers all disappear, the steelworks disappear, the coal miners disappear. You know, everything's gone. Um, they're now trying to kill off the train business. Uh, they are. And I would actually say that this is more even about the selfish purposes of the union bosses mm. rather than the people who are actually joined up by virtue of the trade that they are uh, they are in themselves. Right. They have been misled and all they are doing is damaging themselves even further. Yes. And this is a point that uh, the transport secretary made very clear in the chamber yesterday. Yeah. And so do you see the summer of discontent that, that many people are predicting in terms of, you know, other p- uh, people coming out on strike? It could be postmen, could be binmen, could be uh, school teachers, it could be NHS workers. Um, at that point, if it does become effectively a general strike, surely the government would have to make some kind of move, wouldn't it? Look, I really don't see that. But if they do, uh, they will only be damaging themselves. The people of this country can see how the government has wrapped its arms around through COVID, made enormous financial commitments to to support people, individuals, businesses uh, across the patch throughout COVID. And uh, now is the time for us to knuckle down, get on with the job, Let's get through this wave of global high inflation and then things will settle down again. If they want to take it that, down that route. They- Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Then it'll only be a massive exercise in shooting oneself in the foot. And I'd really love to see where Labour would stand on that. Yeah, I think we all would. Um, Just one final uh, story today. Uh, if you would, Marco, um, an artist called William Kentridge, who I must confess I've never heard of until today, um, has yeah. been talking about statues and how um, Winston Churchill statue and, and many others would benefit from being buried uh, in the ground up to their waist so that people could actually look down on it instead of up. Um, he says that basically by blocking it from the public view during the BLM protests, that was actually a good thing because it meant people could understand that not only did some people think he was a hero, but other people thought he was a racist. Oh, my God. Um, I'd love to meet this chap, uh, make his acquaintance and tell him exactly what I think of him and his stupid ideas. It really is. Look, I'm a patriot and I represent a constituency of patriots and look at Winston Churchill as one of the greatest leaders this country and this planet yeah. has ever had. To describe Winston as a racist who was actually the one person who, during the war, at that particularly crucial time, save the planet from the biggest racist regime the planet has ever seen is something of a contradiction, isn't well, it? Well, isn't it just? It's also rather ironic that a lot of the people who were calling him a racist a couple of years ago are now the ones invoking his name as the inventor of the European Convention on Human Rights. So he's good for them today, but he wasn't any good two years ago. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and this is so typical of this liberal elite who like to moralize against us and actually uh, just literally change the rules as they go along to suit their own case on the day. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Well, I hope you enjoy Prime Minister's questions. We're looking forward to uh, Keir Starmer getting absolutely nowhere again, getting beaten around by Boris Johnson. It should be great fun. Marco Longhi, thank you very much indeed, Conservative MP for Dudley North. How about this from Liz in Norfolk? Mick Lynch keeps talking about five hundred million profits uh, for the five hundred million pound profits for the rail companies. What happens to the profits, shareholder dividends, debt repayment, etc.? No has asked the question and I would like to know the answer he seems to think it should all go to his members. Another point, Ree Boris uh, of course is all about uh, the Wakefield by-election which is coming up uh, this week. Obviously we'll be covering the result of that uh, as it happens right here on Talk TV. Coming up as well uh, we're going to be uh, talking about Gary Lineker because once again uh, he's made the headlines Gary not for football, uh, not because he's given some refugee some space in his house again. No, his latest bombshell is that Apparently, he suffered racism as a young boy growing up in Leicester because he had slightly darker skin than everybody else. Well, it's news to me. Probably news to his parents. And news to everybody who went to school with him, isn't it? This is Talk TV. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk TV, the one place where you find the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We don't bring you anything else, because why would we? Why would we want to? That wouldn't be the point. We also want to hear from all of you because we get an awful lot of information from an awful lot of you because this is the only place where you can do that as well. Nobody else will take your information. Nobody else will uh, somehow, you know, regurgitate it in such a way that everybody else learns from what it is that you do. Absolutely brilliant. Um, there we go. How about this from Brian in South End? Mike, please show some respect for Gary's truth and lived experience on his journey as a person of colour. A couple of people have pointed out uh, that he says in that clip, um, I'm about as English as you get. Some people are pointing out, well, what does he mean by that? Does he mean that as English as you get means you're white? Because uh, surely that would be something that he wouldn't want to be known for saying, would it? Gary Lineker, um, probably one of the biggest hypocrites that's ever walked the earth. Uh, now, coming up in this hour, we're going to talk to Jamie Jenkins, who is our favourite independent statistician, of course. He's going to give us a few numbers on the inflationary scale to see where we're going, to see how we got here. Uh, and I'm going to be asking him whether it is entirely possible that a lot of companies and a lot of um, sort of vendors are simply putting up the prices of things because they can, because people are now so used to paying extra for stuff. We just heard Isabel Oakshot saying she paid five quid for a tub of butter. Unbelievable. You know, I've noticed over the course of the last few um, food orders that I've made uh, that things are just going up by 50p or a pound in every single area. You know, something that you used to pay £2 for, you're now paying £3 for. Something that you used to sort of pay 2 for has gone up to 4 or 5 quid. That can't be right. It's absolutely bizarre. Also, coming up later on in the hour, we're going to speak to Christopher Snowden from the Institute of Economic Affairs because uh, he's written a paper about lockdown lessons in health economics and the case of alcohol. I've got it right here. Uh, we're going to be talking about that because, of course, as you might expect, um, it didn't work out too well for these government sort of nudge brigades because what they wanted to do was to try and get people to drink less alcohol during lockdown and it turned out they all started drinking more. Who can blame them? Uh, some of them are still doing it. Jamie, a very good morning to you. 
Morning, Mike. I think you can probably add me on to the, the list of people who drank more alcohol during lockdown. It was a pretty boring time for most. Well, it really it? was. I mean, there's only so many things you can watch on Netflix. And once you've sort of finished the catalogue, um, and of course now that people are working from home this week because of the train strike, um, the weather's at least nice. I mean, that was the good thing about the first lockdown was that it was in quite decent weather. But in the winter, when lockdown came along, I think for a lot of people, there was literally nothing else to do but drink. No, nothing to do but drink, Mike. I think um, listening to you for the last two or three years has kind of kept a lot of people sane. I think it has, it. actually. I mean, people do say that, so I'm grateful uh, for, for when they do say that. Let's talk a bit about inflation, first of all, though, because obviously there's so much going on now. We've got the rail strike, we've got pressure on wages from, from places like the RMT and others. Uh, barristers are going on strike as well. Everybody's moaning they can't afford to buy things that they used to be able to afford to buy. I think today we're officially at 9.5%, uh, up from 9 possibly heading for 11. Uh, you've put some numbers together, though, so tell us about it. Yeah, so what you can do, Mike, is obviously we've got a, the way the ONS does the inflation figures. They they kind of have a basket of goods, so they don't literally go around the shops with a basket and count the, the cost of them. They yeah. put a load of kind of products that you would generally buy in the economy, and then they track the prices of those kind of commodities, and then you can look at the change month on month, year mm. on year. And the current uh, inflation rate that's been published this morning is 9.1%. So that means basically that compared to the same basket of goods a year earlier, it's 9.1%. Some things have gone up more than and other things. And then what you can do is look across the whole economy, Mike, and work out, OK, so what's contributing to that 9.1%? Because if the government wants to try and control inflation, you need to know what's driving the 9.1%. So I crunched some of the numbers that they published this yeah. morning. And around approaching like two thirds of the increase is driven basically by things that the, the viewer and the listener won't be surprised by is the housing costs, water, gas, electric, transport costs, and then food costs are going up as well because remember people deliver the food using fuel in the you know in the, in the lorries and things and food commodities are going up across the world. So those are what's driving the kind of the inflation at the moment, Mike. And it's not demand-led inflation. So what demand-led inflation is, is say, for example, me and you had loads more money and there's only a finite amount of goods in the economy. We, you might try and buy it, spend a little bit more than me. So the price would go up. Mm. That's not what's driving the inflation at the moment. So the Bank of England were trying to control inflation by giving us less money, by encouraging us to save or increasing mortgage rates to interest rates. It's a bit kind of bonkers in terms of doing that, Mike, because what the government could do, if the, the things that are dr driving the inflation the most, they could cut the green levies, um, they could cut VAT on domestic fuel. That's one of the things Boris Johnson and Michael Gove mm. were saying they one of the benefits of Brexit were to actually reduce the VAT or scrap it completely. So, you know, if you're talking about planks of the week, Mike, I think Boris and Michael Gove could be <laughs> thrown in there. And I also looked yesterday, Mike, at the fuel prices. So you've been tracking these for the yeah. last couple of weeks. Right. Now, they cut the fuel duty back in March by five pence, but petrol prices have gone up now on average. I know they do vary, and you've seen some really bonkers prices, I think, from the viewers and listeners sending them in to you. But the unleaded petrol is about 1.87 per litre. Now, that's up 57 pence on this time last year, about 530 quid for the average driver that's going to cost. But more importantly, Mike, the tax take that the Chancellor's taking now on a litre of fuel is more now than this time last year. So he cut fuel duty by five pence, but because of the VAT on the fuel, He's actually taking four and a half pence per litre more. So if tonight, if the Chancellor announced, or if Boris Johnson, did, you know, said at Prime Minister's questions, from 6pm tonight, we're going to cut four and a half pence per litre off fuel, that would be no different to what they were probably planning on having last right. year. So 
There's no reason for no inaction, Mike. No, of course. And it goes to show as well that the people who are buying the fuel are not buying it because they fancy driving around in, in, in a nice car and sort of looking out the window. They're buying it because they have to buy it, because they have to use a car, because it's the only means of transport in, in most parts of the country for most people. You know, that's why the train strike for me um, is not going to be as effective as the RMT think they think it will be, because an awful lot of people now have given up on the trains because they're so unreliable. No, and trains, I was looking at the numbers online yesterday, Mike. So train um, passenger journeys obviously fell off a cliff during COVID because the government told us all to stay at home. We can't really blame the train companies for that. But the consequence of all of that, Mike, and with civil servants obviously working from home still, a lot of them, is that demand for passenger journeys has gone down and the current mm. new normal is about a third lower, Mike. So you need to reform the French government uh, who run the kind of the nationalised rail services, issued a paper recently looking at driverless trains. And the unions are obviously trying to stop reforms of the rail service. But if we want to fit for 21st century rail service, you're going to need these reforms, Mike. And, and, and you're right in terms of fuel and price, because the way things normally work is if the price goes up, we buy less of it. And if the price goes down, we might buy more of it. But when it comes to things like petrol or gas and electric, well, the, the relationship between prices and demand isn't the, the kind of the same as what it would be for other goods, because what you see, Mike, is that if the price goes up, you can't, you know, you don't turn down the heating or you don't say I can't drive no. to work. You have to do these things. And I think the charts that you've got up on the screen there, what that's showing is that, you know, the, the big driver of fuel at the moment and in terms of the inflation is the domestic yeah. fuel and the utility cost. And petrol, you know, my, every week I put a tweet out saying, Another week, record fuel prices. And the way things are going, mm. next week, I'll be putting another tweet yeah. out, Mike, with another week, record fuel prices. Yeah, and you say people aren't actually not putting the heating on, but I think that will happen come uh, the autumn, once it starts to get properly colder. Uh, and I know there are parts of the country that are colder than the, than the southeast. It's pretty warm here at the moment. But there will be people in October and November, if prices don't come down, who will have to make that decision and say, look, we can't put the heating on. Or at least, if we are going to put it on, we're only going to put it on like for a couple of hours, and then we're going to put it off again. And Mike, and one of the things that the Office for National Statistics do is they look at excess winter mortality. And, you know, when you get cold winters, it tends to affect kind of elderly people because they do worry about these things, which is why you've got the winter fuel allowance to try and combat that. So this cost of living crisis and fuel price rises, which, again, remember, Mike, we had that big rise in April. We're going to get another massive rise in October. The Chancellor's putting some money back into the you know into the pockets to try and alleviate all of that mm. but it probably won't be enough mike and you you know this is likely to cause more deaths if we don't really act and part of the problem mike is inaction by government over the last 10 or 15 years i looked at a strategy that they did under the um, the coalition government there ed davey was from the lib dems within yeah. the coalition government in the department for business and energy at the time and there was an energy security strategy with very little in there about how we secure the energy when you think about the wars yeah. in Ukraine. Nobody so, ever yeah. talked about it. I mean, we, we knew that there was a rising price uh, problem happening, you know, last year. But even before that, people knew that the prices had been going up and the renewables were the thing that people talked about uh, as being the future. But we all knew that that was all going to come to a crashing end at some point, uh, apart from apparently everybody in the government. No, and France has been a little insulated a little bit more from the um, fuel increases because they've got a lot more nuclear, Mike. So they've got a bit more energy security over there in France than mm -hmm. what we've got. And and Boris keeps saying, oh, well, you know, under Labour, we didn't do much with nuclear power. You know, this is this is the government are going to be driving more on nuclear. 
Well, hang on, Boris. The the government or the Tory party have been in charge since 2010. So, you know, 2022 coming up with a new strategy. Do we have to wait 12 years for them yeah. to come up with an idea on these things, Mike? Unbelievable. And interestingly enough, just on the health front, because I know you uh, used to do an awful lot of health statistics for us, Dr. Charles Levinson um, tweeted out this morning. Uh, he says, I don't believe I've heard a single question put to a senior politician in government about the sustained level of non-COVID excess deaths in the home since March 2020. It continues even now, hundreds and hundreds every week yet it goes by almost completely ignored. It's wrong. I think he's right about that, isn't he? No, he is right, Mark. I've been tweeting a little bit about that over the last kind of two years or so. What we then saw then, Mike, is that people were told to stay home, protect the NHS, because you can't see loved ones in hospital. We might have seen a little bit of a, a shift in terms of some people who in the past may have gone in towards into hospital towards the end of life and then sadly died in hospital. Uh, what we might be seeing is people are staying at home now because they can't get their relatives to come and see them. But... That's not going to make up for the complete numbers that we see in Mike in terms of the excess deaths at home and you know the consequences. I think one of the stories that's been branded about today is GPs looking to retire over the next few years. Yes. And Jeremy Hunt, Jeremy Hunt, a few uh, few weeks, a uh, few months back, Mike, he was saying that he failed to recruit enough GPs because we have seen a rise in the number of GPs over the last uh, five or six mm. years, but that's only small in comparison to the rise in the population. We've got about. Uh, overall, about 36,000 GPs when you look at the full-time hours that they're doing, up from about 34,000 in 2015. But mm. what Jeremy Hunt wanted to do was get at least 5,000. And he admitted that mm. people are leaving kind of general practice faster than they can get people in overall. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. And, and part of the reason it could be that, you know, it's, it's much easier for them to go private. So if GPs go private, what do you end up doing? You can't get a GP appointment, which you've been talking about now for, you know, not just the last year, at least the last two years. At least the last two years. Because to get one private. Yeah. It is extraordinary what's going on inside the NHS. Not one bit of it, as I've often said, seems to be working at the moment. Jamie, good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Catching up there with Jamie Jenkins and some independent statistics. Basically, uh, another record fuel price at the pump week. This week, um, unleaded, an average is now up to 187 per litre. I'm sure many of you are paying more than that. That's 57 pence higher than it was a year ago. Extraordinary figures. Absolutely amazing. Uh, we're going to be talking more about that. Also, we're going to be talking about the effect of uh, the, the lockdown on people's drinking habits. Christopher Snowden's done a report on it. He's next. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. Windrush Day, apparently, uh, is going on over in Waterloo. Prince William is unveiling a statue. Now, we've heard this morning from an artist who thought that the statue of Winston Churchill should be buried up to his waist so that people could look down on it rather than look up to it. I wonder if they're burying the Windrush statue up to its waist, whatever it is. And imagine the scene if people turned up to tear the Windrush statue down, drag it across Waterloo Bridge and chuck it into the river. Imagine that. How awful would that be? Unthinkable. People would be locked up for a long time. They wouldn't be the Colston Four, would they? The ones who got away with doing that. No. Funny old world. Let's talk to Ray in Ramsgate. Ray, very good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Mike. Great what show. Do, what can I do for you, sir? Um... It's just about these strikes. I'm old enough to remember when all them was going on in the 70s. Yeah, me too. And I've been through about three recessions since. Yeah. And all I'm getting at is when we had Brexit, I thought, this is great. Yeah. What we're going to be able to do now is maybe these entrepreneurs start wanting to manufacture in Britain again. Yes. 
you know, put their money into Britain. You take a look at these unions and what's going on now, because make no mistake, if the rail workers get away with it, you're going to get an avalanche of unions. Oh, I agree. Well, we've already got that guy, Dave um, Ward, I think his name is, from the Communication Workers Union. He's already coming out saying what a great job um, Mick Lynch is doing. So the posties will be out soon. You can bet bet your bottom dollar, can't you? Yeah, and um, all it's going to do is... For a start, if they all get these wage rises, it just pushes inflation up further and further. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then standards do go down. I yeah. mean, I can remember, you can probably remember as well, when interest rates went up to about 14%. Exactly right. Well, people couldn't pay their mortgages, and then their mortgage was worth, you know, a lot more than the actual house themselves. They're negative equity. People that live exactly. now have exactly. no remembrance of that. They don't think that can happen, but it can. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And yeah. that's what I think people need to understand, you know. And uh, let's be honest, um, they're, they're not exactly underpaid, are they? They really you are. Know, and they've got a good pension. Yeah, they've got a much better pension than most people, certainly a better pension yeah. than most self-employed people, many of whom don't have a pension at all. Well, I was self-employed, Mike, and yeah. if I didn't like what I was getting, I'd just get another job. Right. Very fun. You know, well, exactly. You didn't have a choice, did you? No, no, I'd go and work for somebody else who'd pay me more. Yeah, exactly right. And that's the way it should be. You know, but these people are, are political ideologues. You know, they want to bring down the Tory government. They hate what they say they hate capitalism. But as you heard from our earlier caller, they've got massive funds in their pension. They've got massive investments in companies that they deride all the time for being capitalists. But they're quite happy to make money out of them. Exactly it's that. Shocking. And, and with Gary Lineker... I've never heard anything so absurd in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say, you know, the good news is, Ray, we've managed to calm... I, I was going to say, Ray, we've managed to calm the dog down, but he's still barking. He's still barking. He's started ever since he heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent plan. Listen, Ray, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, how about this from Victor? He says, the police better start backdating investigations into Jim Davidson and Bernard Manning. If you were easily offended, you wouldn't go, uh, not fall through, no, you wouldn't call the police, for heaven's sake. Let's talk to Terry in Newcastle. Hi, Terry. Uh, good morning, mate. Morning, how are sir. You doing? Very well, sir. What can I do for you? I, I would just, uh, I'm trying to just encapsulate something in uh, this small thing. This Tory government under Boris is like uh, if you've got a teenage daughter yeah. and the boyfriend comes and you've got a little few doubts, you yeah. might have heard a little bit of it, and over the, over the time you've heard a bit more yeah. and a bit more, and now it's time. If he comes to the door, shut it. Because it's finished now. Yes. It's finished. Yes. Do you understand? I do. I do. Very wise. But there's a very sort of careful way you have to do all that, isn't there? Oh, you've got to. You've got to. You know, when she comes crying into the door, yeah. you've got to see it. You've got to send your wife up, haven't you? That's you've it. You've got to send your wife up. Because you can't, you also, you can't be too it. negative at the time when she's very happy with him because otherwise then she'll go the other oh, way. Oh, no. But what I'm saying, it's always through your wife. Yes. But you're always there. You're always there, waiting. Yeah. Waiting. But I, I just think with this government, it, it's it's gone. It, it, you know, the trust in the, the whole people, you can argue about it. And you're fantastic about it because you're like a Asian provocateur. Mm. You'll see both sides. You've been there, you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you'll see things. 
But you know, it's finished, isn't it? It's a good time to see it. Well, when he comes to the door, see ya, bang. Well, you say that, but then you leave nothing behind there. That's the problem, and I don't want to leave. Oh, I don't no. know. Well, I haven't got. I, I, I'm not seeing it on the labour side because labour is absolutely useless. Right. But I'm just telling you about. You know, if something's bad, that's why I was saying about it. Your daughter. Yes. You can. No, I you get. I get what you mean. I get what you mean, Terry. But my problem with going, going uh, saying goodbye to the government uh, is that I think we now see exactly what they've been up against all these years. Richard's in Manchester. Hi, Richard. Oh, good morning, sir. Morning. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking my call. Not at all. I was, I've been listening avidly, as I always do, Mike, and, and a, a few more of your colleagues uh, on Talk Radio. Absolutely great. The opinions you give are fantastic, well-measured, well-thought-out, mm. and everybody, everybody in the world. You should have a direct route into everybody's television <laughs> throughout the world. Very kind. And then we'd all, we'd all see what is going on. No, what we do is called YouTube. It's the, it's the truth. Yes. yes, I know. Yeah, I follow it on that. But looking what Isabel Oakshot uh, was saying this morning, mm. I think she was sort of sitting on the fence a, a wee bit. Mm. I think she's wrong about the 17.4 million Brexiteers. We'll stay strong. I think that the northern, um, the, the, the red, uh, the red uh, wall. line, the red wall will stay strong. I think we've had a very, very rough time. And then when I hear yesterday that our old uh, weasel friend, Lord Adonis, is off somewhere today to give a fine speech about in 1945-46, Winston Churchill's uh, Bill of Rights uh, has got to be adhered to because of international law, I could actually vomit. Yes. I could, you know (laughs) what I mean? What is this guy? Also, you know, let's remember what actually happened. It was his party under the guise of Tony Blair and his henchmen who wrote this thing into law because before 1998 it wasn't that we had to follow everything that they said we could take it under advisement we could listen to what they said and then we could ignore it and that's where we want to be going back to isn't it exactly right and and what he's done putting 6,000 laws into the EU when he was the president mm. and everybody knows what he was after because he wanted world domination Clinton on the other side of the pond and him on this side ru- running the world and if I'm very honest with you Mike I feel they're still running it behind the b- behind the backs of everybody he comes on smiling and joking and the Archbishop of Canterbury and they're all giving him uh, a, a sucker and saying yes poor Tony what a shame and all that lot. it's a lie Mm. The man has took us to where we are today, and he is responsible for what has happened to the Labour Party from day one. He has to take responsibility for that. And if he's fair with himself, he should get out of politics and forget about it, because he is one of the main advocates of bringing this country back into the EU. And we don't want that. And we can't. And we have to fight. And please, those on strike... I, I would always agree the union in my in my businesses. It was good, but they never went on strike mm. because now it's political. They're making it political to try and get rid. They're trying to get rid of anybody connected with what is happening in the government. And I hope to God that they stay strong, that Rob gets over there and really gives it his all yeah. with regards to the new Bill of Rights. And you know, you've got Sturgeon reacting to it and Sherry Blair and Miliband and Clinton all over here. What for? They want to get rid of the man. And I think, in my estimation, they've already said David Miliband is going to be the next leader because it looks as though... Um, the, uh, skids are, the skids are under old Captain Hindsight, but he, he's so useless he can't even see it happening. 
Uh, you're, you're spot on with that. He can't. He just <laughs> up his own. But for, I mean, did you see him yesterday, right? He came out yesterday and said that he was going to discipline any member of the Labour Party's Westminster <laughs> branch if they went to any picket lines. So 16 of them went to picket lines. What's he done? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Swear of sweet F.A. The man's an idiot. You know I've got a bet on for two grand that he will never, ever be the Prime Minister of this country. And if Boris stays strong under all the weight he must be going through, then I'm sure that we'll come through it and we'll have this great country that we dreamed about when we came out of Brexit. And all they've done, all a lot of them, is try and bulk it. And it's an absolute disgrace. There should be a law to put them into court wherever, for going against the wishes, the democratic wishes of this country. No other country in Europe would put up with what we've had to put up with for the last three years or four years. It's been an absolute disgrace, and it's time, I say, Blair, go. Yeah, well, I can see the Tower of London from where I'm sitting, and I reckon that's a pretty good spot for him. Put him through through Traitor's Gate, up into the old Prince's Tower for a couple of months, see how he gets on. Yeah, put him in some stocks. We'll all come and throw <laughs> apples and pears at him or whatever. <laughs> apples and blares. Very good. Richard, thank you very much indeed. How about this from Jane? This is my favourite text of the day. Had to laugh just looked across our open plan office and I can tell who's listening to Talk TV as around six people out of the ten are now trying to stand on one leg. <laughs> you see... I mean, there's nothing like reaching out to the general public. You don't get that anywhere else at all. Uh, Pat is in London. Hi, Pat. Mike, all right. Uh, There's another thing that you missed out with Tony Blair. Oh, yeah. And when he uh, done the... uh, He he also got rid of the Treason Act. That's right, he did, didn't he? So you can't any longer be hanged by the neck if you are treasonous. No, because why he had to done that... Why he had to do that is because when he he signed the... Is it with the all them treaties to take us into the EU yes he'd be committing treason mm. yeah well I mean I suppose he had to save his own neck really first of all what, didn't he what it says that nobody no English well no man born in these islands must give away power to a foreign yes. government yeah so technically he would have been committing treason but he had to first of all we had to get rid of the treason act yes so in that respect, um, you know... Yeah, that's, that's another one. I'm sure we'll find more things that Blair managed to make disappear uh, and change without us actually knowing he was doing it. But a good call. Thank you very much indeed. Prime Minister's questions coming next. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 